Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. No guests this week. I'm your host, Sean Fry, Managing Sports Editor of the Parsons Sun and the Chanute Tribune. Uh, today, we're going to go over two things. We're going to go over some football previews, looking how some local teams might fare this fall, and we're going to go over what happened at the Kansas State Board of Education hearing on the Keisha multiplier that could be applied to private schools and how they're classified. That'll be today's edition on The War Room. So let's just jump right in. Uh, to to some outlooks on football. Monday this week, when this show debuts, uh, will be the first day of fall practices across Kansas high schools. Uh, as you know, as fall sports get get ready to go, uh, heat a big concern. I went over that within the Parsons Sun very recently. One thing interesting that Keisha has adopted and encouraged schools to do is to monitor something called the wet bulb globe temperature. It's a new. It's a metric, uh, different metric than just measuring humidity or uh, straight temperature or the feels like temperature or whatever uh, to help uh, combat and combat an ongoing heat wave. It's been hot. It has been very very hot. Uh, just to give you an idea of what bulb glo- what lo- wet bulb globe temperature is. Uh, it's a measure of heat stress in direct sunlight, which takes into account temperature, humidity, wind speed, sun angle, and cloud cover. That's according to the National Weather Service. Parsons Athletic Trainer Tanner Forrest saying it's a really good tool to have to not only monitor the air temperature and humidity, but the wind speeds and other factors. The wet bulb globe temperature gives you a real feels-like temperature of what athletes are going through. Uh, Keisha's policy stipulates that a, a a WBGT under 80 degrees allows for normal activities. Outdoor practices are restricted to two hours between 84.7 and 87, 87.7 degrees. It's one hour between 87.8 and 89.7 degrees and barred entirely above that level. Uh, Forrest said in a report that I published in the Parson Sun, quote, it has been very, very high. I took a reading on Wednesday and it was in the orange region, which is 84.7 to 87.7. That means four breaks per hour and a max practice time of two hours. I'm sure we'll have situations where practices will have to happen indoors without gear and be monitored heavily. Uh, so obviously heat, a big factor as uh, fall sports get ready to go. Uh, but obviously one of the biggest fall sports is football. It is the most popular sport in, in, in America. Uh, the most heavily attended uh, sporting events in any co- in the country are high school football games. Uh, nobody will no. There will not be more people that will see a high school football game than any other event in the country. Uh, so let's go over some of the local teams and how they might be faring. And let's start with the in town Parsons Vikings. Uh, they're going to be Class Three A independent this year. Jeff Scheibe entering his third season with a 10 and 9 record to his name. At thir- Jeff Scheibe is going to be the first head coach to enter a third season for Parsons since I want to say 2012. Uh, you had Mark Swatty come in; he stayed for two years. Uh, another coach. Then you had uh, Travis Hurley come in; he stayed for two years. Kurt. Uh, then Kurt Freeze here for two years. You have. Uh, Jeff Scheibe, who's now trying to steady the ship as uh, as Parsons football coming off a very successful eight-win campaign. 
Uh, I'm sorry, a nine-win campaign. I'm sorry, a seven-win campaign. My fault. Uh, they went seven and three last year, made it to the second round of the postseason. Uh, it's been up and down the last few years for Parsons. You're looking at 2017, they go one and eight. 2018, Kurt Freeze's first year, they go eight and three, win their first playoff game in over 40 years. Uh, then 2019, back down to two and seven. 2020, in Jeff Shibe's first year, he, they were three and six. Then last year, big jump, going to seven and three. A uh, big step in the right direction for Parsons under Shibe. Uh, won its first round playoff game over Prairie View after losing to Prairie View earlier in the year. Then they fell to Gerard on the road in the second in the uh, in the second uh, round of the playoffs. Uh, the Vikings graduated some talent from last year. They're losing Isaiah Tyson and Deion Sylvester, both of whom are going to Fort Hayes State. Isaiah Tyson, a defensive lineman who played in the Shrine Bowl. Trey Russ and Steven Knapper, other big players that they're losing, uh, but they have a ton of of returning starters, including Cam Kendrick, Jesse Jones, Marion Ryan, Trey Ginder, Cole Manners, uh, Malik Ferguson, Trey Pierce, Trey Mack, Jamarian Washington, Cade Brown, J.J. Kendrick, Landon Wheat, and then Jace Quirin making his return at kicker uh, for the Parsons Vikings. I love me uh, some Jace Quirin. Riley Baker also coming back. Uh, just a big uh, Chris Beard, uh, who played two, three years ago for Parsons. He will be back uh, in Parsons go- Blue and Gold. Uh, he will be a big uh, influence uh, to the Vikings uh, uh, defense uh, at uh, on defensive line, and I'm expecting Parsons to do well. Now, what will hurt Parsons is just how brutal the schedule can get as it gets harder. Uh, not necessarily the regular season schedule, but who's facing them in the postseason. Gerard, the team that beat them, they're going to be. They, they brought everybody back too. They're they're. I mean, if you're looking, if the bar is. You know, a common bar when you're looking at a team that is trending upward is how do you get past a team that beat you in the postseason? You know, for the Buffalo Bills, it's going to, like in the NFL, for the Buffalo Bills, it's how do we beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, For Parsons, it's how do we beat the Gerard Trojans? Well, they bring everybody back. So uh, they will have to just essentially beat them through sheer attrition. They will have to get better and be better uh, otherwise, you could see a team that's better this year have a better record and maybe get maybe get bounced in the same round of the playoffs. Uh, or Parsons makes another deep run. They're the most populous 3A school in the state. Uh, this will be a very uh, fun year for the Parsons Vikings, uh, and I expect at least them to post a 7-3 and three record. Again, seven wins is kind of what I, I would say the over-under there is about uh, seven wins. Moving on to the other end of the spectrum, about 10, 12 miles south, and we're going to go to the Levette County Grizzlies. Coming off a winless season under head coach Sean Price. Sean Price entering his eighth year at Levette County High School. He has a 26-40 and 40 overall record. He does have an SEK League title in that stretch. Uh, a, a good coaching staff, uh, uh, but they've just been, ever since winning that league title and going 9-2 and two in 2017, their win totals have been on the downturn. They went four and five the next year in 2018. 2019, they go three and six. 2020, they go two and seven. And then last year, an 0 and nine mark. Only way is up for Lebec County. Uh, you have a couple uh, big returners. Quarterback Kendall Holtzman is going to be under the microscope. Uh, he will be a junior this year. Uh, he had 1,400 yards and five touchdowns passing last year. Uh, Griffin Eaton will be one of his top weapons, as will Trey Vinson. Uh, and, you know, Sean Price loves to throw the football, and they have got to establish a good passing game if they want to reestablish themselves as a threat in this area. Uh, Lebec County looking 
uh, to make uh, some significant improvements. They will Their schedule opens up at Circle on September 2nd, and then that September 9th matchup, the Parsons Vikings at home in Altamont, their home opener as the rivalry is renewed. That will be a fun game for the community to watch. Going around the horn, we'll stay in Le- in the county of Labette. We'll go over to the Oswego Indians. Oswego, under Matt Fowler, who's entering his fifth year, he has a 23-14 overall record. Uh, a, they were a bit of a surprise last year in going 3-6 and six after an 8-2 and two campaign the year prior. 8-2, and two, they were one of the top eight-man teams in the state, legitimately, and they just kind of took a... Uh, uh, that was their third straight year with a winning record. You're looking at... Um, you know, in 2018, they were six and three, 2019, they were six, 20, they go eight and two, then they dip back down to three and six. Uh, so they have a couple returning starters and Jake Hutchinson, Levi George, John Frisbee, Colton Goddard, Daryl Miner, Raiden Myers. Uh, I'm very interested to see what Oswego looks like, uh, going into this campaign. Uh, they lose some three rivers teams to six man football. So the herd has thinned a little bit. Uh, Oswego looking to stay relevant and and kind of make a bit of a resurgence under Matt Fowler, uh, who is certainly one of the best coaches in the state. He has one of the best resumes that you can find out there. Uh, I'm sure that Oswego uh, will course correct. Uh, stay And then the last a uh, team in the county of Labette is the Chautauqua Green Hornets. Uh, Chautauqua, they will be entering class six-man this year. They will be playing six-man football. Keisha sanctioned that uh, this past school, last school year. Uh, and they will, uh, it, for the start of this school year, the start of this fall, uh, and Chautauqua will be one of those schools. Uh, head coach Josh Gehring, he is entering his second year. The Green Hornets went one and seven a year ago. Uh, and uh, it's it, it's been a rough go for Chautauqua. 2017, they're 0-9. 2018, they're 2-6. and 2019, one and eight. 2020, they go three and six, uh, but then right back down to one and seven last year. Uh, they've had a, a revolving door of coaches, um, and it. But it will be interesting to see kind of how Shotopa uh, looks playing six man. I know there's a lot of excitement around that program. They open up with Altoona Midway on their first game. Shotopa, very good opportunity uh, to go. 1-0 and to start the year. They opened up the, the year with two home games. I am very excited to see what Chautauqua looks like uh, going forward. Uh, staying in the area, we will go over. We'll make a dip over to Neosha County. We'll look at the St. Paul Indians. St. Paul, one of the most fun teams in the area to watch year in and year out. Keith Watrick going into his 10th season. He's 57-26. and 26. What a record. Uh, and he has a state championship game appearance, multiple Three Rivers League titles. Uh, last year they went six and four after going three and six in 2020, um, and that was at, that. Was, so you look at 2017, they were 11 and two, the state runner up. 2018, they're nine and two, they make it to the quarterfinals. 2019, they're 10 and one. Then 2020, they take a bit of a dip, go three and six. 2021, they're right back up to playing 10 games a year at least, go, winning six of them. St. Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm my over under for them is at about seven wins. Uh, they they won a playoff game last year. Uh, you know they they uh, they they beat Oswego in a shootout, sixty eight sixty six. I mean this is going to be a fun fun game over uh, a fun fun team rather to watch. Some of their key returners: Kaiser Whitrick, quarterback Trey Peters. You've got Landon Beechner in there, as long as some linemen and Zachary Kirkpatrick, Matthew uh, Lestikow, and Cooper Newberry. If I messed up any of those names, feel free to, uh, to to harangue me about it on Twitter. 
I, you know, I think St. Paul over under for them. I'm going to put it at about seven and a half wins, and I might take the over on that. They might be looking at about an eight win season. Uh, looking over at the Erie Red Devils, uh, they are head coached uh, by Eddie Kearns. He's entering his fourth season. They're nine and eighteen. Uh, they're coming off a three win season. Uh, they've had three three win seasons in their last four campaign. Uh, made the playoffs last year. First playoff appearance in many years for Erie before they lost to Wellsville in the first round. Uh, they have some returners in Casey Welch, Ruben Mata, Ty Taylor, Dakota Becker, Daniel Choi, Bryce Demerit, Seth Welch, Landon Kamek. It's going to be, I think, a difficult year for Erie, but their schedule, I also think, allows for some opportunities to win. They have uh, a home game against Cherryville. Uh, they go to Fredonia in week three after that home opener in week two. Uh, Arma, a beatable team. Uniontown, beatable. Southeast, beatable. Uh, I think they have an opportunity. I, I I think a three to four win season. That's kind of what I'm projecting them at. Erie could surprise me though. Eddie Kearns does a good job over there. Uh, we're gonna a couple more teams to go over here. We'll look at the Cherryville Chargers for the third year in a row. They will have a new head coach. Uh, this year is gonna be Daniel Vaughn entering his first year, uh, replacing Robert Henderson who went over to Independence. Uh, it, it, very in, they're coming off a season where they won three games. Uh, 2019 was their last winning season at 5-4. and four. Then they went 2-7 and seven and 3-6. and six. Uh, it, it, it is going to be... They have a lot of returners. Uh, Jackson Knight, Danny V. Hill, Stetson State, Schaefer, Trevin Elam uh, among the top returners at the skill positions. They have talent there. The question is, can it be protected? And now the big thing for them is they will be Class 2A. Last year they were 3A in the same district with Caney Valley, Columbus, uh, and Parsons and the works. Tough schedule for them over the last few years. I think a move down to 2A uh, and some returning talent will ease the transition for new coach Daniel Vaughn, and I, I think that give, that allots Cherryville an opportunity uh, to potentially have a, a 4-5 to five win season. I think Cherryville, a good opportunity. Cherryville staring down the barrel of an upward trajectory here. That'll do it for our football, my football preview, just running down the list. When, when we come back, I'll talk a little bit about the State Board of Education's public hearing on the Acacia private school multiplier proposal that was heard last Wednesday. We'll be right back here on The War Room. Don't go anywhere. We're back here on The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. No guests this week. So as we come back from break, let's look at what happened in Topeka on Wednesday as the Kansas State High School Activities Association put that private school multiplier before the Kansas State Board of Education at a public hearing on Wednesday as part of the State Board of Education's August session. Uh, Wednesday's hearing was for discussion and testimony. The board adjourned and said it will vote on the multiplier in September. Uh, you know, Bill Fathlick, as well as three uh, proponents, so in favor of the issue, as well as three opponents of the measure testify before the board. Acacia's uh, three-part multiplier accounts for recent success, geographic location, and free and reduced lunch rates. Those three factors will determine the multiplier number from 1.0 to 1.75 applied to private schools' attendance and classification. If the championship factor isn't triggered, private schools won't have a multiplier added. Uh, Betty Arnold, the District 8 representative, which encompasses Wichita and the surrounding area, so Derby and stuff like that, uh, she was probably the most vocal in her concerns. Uh, you know, one quote from the board meeting was that, are we saying that students, are we saying to students that if you can't win this way, we'll figure out a way to change the playing field so that winning is the ultimate outcome? If that's the case, I have a concern. 
Fafik responded to Arnold by saying that students, parents, and administrators don't feel like they have a chance. That it's stacked against them. Uh, talking with Fafik after the meeting, he told me, quote, I fully respect Ms. Arnold and her perspective. We don't want to lose the real motivation for school-based activities. It's not to win championships. It's for students to learn skills to be successful. Uh, one of the most surprising uh, things that I saw at the meeting was that State Representative Timmy Johnson, Republican from District 38, Timothy Johnson, State Representative from District 38, which incorporates parts of Johnson County, uh, was among those who testified in favor of the multiplier. If the measure passes the Education Board's September vote, the state legislature must amend the statute, amend a statute uh, to allow Kasia to enact the multiplier. Uh, he said, Johnson said, quote, I've seen firsthand the issue of private schools having an advantage. Private schools are able to obtain star athletes, athletes that look for an opportunity for great recognition. And he publicly guaranteed that he'd champion the multiplier in the legislature. Uh, Fafik told me, quote, Mr. Johnson and I have had the opportunity to speak about the topic. We navigate those topics together. It's always great to have support, but it takes more than one legislator. Uh, Jeff Andrews, the superintendent of schools for the Catholic Diocese of Salina, Marty Straub, the Cape and Mount Carmel Athletic Director, and Nick Camponi, uh, a former Catholic school administrator, testified against the multiplier. The common complaint was that the multiplier unfairly targeted all private schools. Another was that the multiplier shouldn't apply to all sports at a school. So if the football team's winning a bunch of championships, they can be bumped up, uh, but maintain integrity for maybe a softball team that isn't doing well. Uh, McPherson girls basketball coach Chris Strathman, one of the most successful coaches in the state. Uh, Paola principal Jeff Hines, who's been a crusader for the issue, and Johnson were the three people that testified in favor of the multiplier. Uh, Hines kind of rebutted that shotgun approach argument, saying all three opponents admitted that there's a competitive imbalance, but wanted to cast the blame to other private schools. This proposal affords protections to schools that aren't ultra competitive. This isn't a shotgun approach. You can't just keep saying it louder and expect people to believe you. Uh, Hines was also really pleased with Bill Fafflick's testimony. Bill Fafflick gave a 45-minute presentation on the on the multiplier. He really broke down the history of how Keisha got to this point, broke down over a decade of what essentially amounts to internal litigation on you know trying to get classify, classifications with regards to multipliers and private schools passed. Um, Hines said, quote, my initial concern was how Fafflick would come out in support of the proposal. He's the mouthpiece for the association that's given him a mandate to get this adopted. I was blown away with how he spoke. He was very reflective and intentional. He explained the entire process of how this multiplier came out. Uh, the education board is going to vote on the, the state education board will vote on this in September. It'll be a straight up down vote. The board doesn't have the authority to apply changes or amendments. Uh, Strathen said, quote, we've lived under this system for decades. It's time for change. This proposal has been passed by the Keisha board and the Keisha schools. I hope it keeps going. Obviously a very, uh, emotionally taxing issue on, uh, you know, quote, all sides. Uh, it, it was virtually, it, it was a Catholic, uh, uprising, so to speak against the multiplier, uh, you know, very, uh, a, a very, uh, but I thought it was a very calm meeting. I watched the meeting in its entirety. It, it was a very uh, humble meeting. Uh, no real uh, fireworks, so to speak, which I think is a good thing. That meant everybody had their voices heard in a healthy environment. I, I think you. Ha I think it, it is a positive step forward for the multiplier. Now, I do know that uh, my opinion on this is that the, the State Board of Education in the state of Kansas, they task Keisha 
with governing high school athletics and high school activities. So, and through Keisha's governance, they've adopted this multiplier and are trying to get it enacted. I would disagree with a board, the board's decision to a board decision to reject this multiplier simply because you're going against the responsibility that you tasked Keisha with. If Keisha can't govern itself like you tasked it to, what can Keisha really do? So, I am. It'll be interesting to see how the State Board of Education um, acts. Uh, I, I believe it will be passed by the State Board of Education. Arnold was really the only true voice of dissent that I heard in the meeting. The other questions I got that I heard from uh, state board members during that hearing were, were essentially logistical. Like, how does it work? Uh, does it do this? Does it do that? Explain this. Fafleck answered those questions, and then, you know, they were satisfied. So uh, I think it'll pass. Uh, I'm not sure what the vote will be. I think it'll be closer than a lot of state board of education votes, but I, I do believe it'll pass. the 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 big challenge from there on out will be how do you govern? Uh, how do you govern the multiplier, or how do you not how you govern the multiplier, but how do you get it passed by the state legislature? Getting the multiplier passed by the state legislature, which will involve changing a, a statute, that's gonna be that's gonna be a task. And I think what will end up happening is that you're going to see legislatures attach riders to any sort of legislation that tries to address this, whether it's the issue of transgenders competing in women's sports, whether it's the issue of, you know, there's a lot of debate on how homeschool students should be allowed to participate in athletics right now. There's plenty of issues affecting athletics and education that are controversial that are divisive and that could be attached to this bill. And the issue that arises with that is regardless of how those issues should be litigated, that's not what case is trying to legislate right now. That's not what they want, whether or not they should want it or not, that they're not trying to address the issue of transgenders. They're not trying to address the issue of homeschools with this multiplier. They are trying to address uh, the issue of competitive imbalance with how private schools are multiply, uh, how private schools are classified, and I, I believe that Keisha, need, I believe that the state legislature will try to address this. It'll be interesting to see how the legislature is um, uh, will behave following the elections. This won't come up until the January, until that the the new legislative body is in session, and that will include. A governor's race. Laura Kelly will be going up against Derek Schmidt. Uh, this will be it'll be a very competitive race. Uh, if you ask me to prognosticate, I would probably say that Derek Schmidt's probably gonna win. But I, I would have even prognosticated, I was just I would just told you that Derek Schmidt's gonna win until the result of the of last election, the primary where uh, the amendment regarding abortion was voted down uh, by uh, by uh, pro choice uh, activists, uh, very high voter turnout. Uh, that was the high voter turnout was, was super inspiring. I mean, you're talking levels that matched the 2008 election for, uh, Barack Obama that showed up to vote in the primaries in Kansas, a very mobilized effort regarding that vote. Uh, if that same mobilization comes out, uh, for the governorship, Laura Kelly, I believe has a very real opportunity to win that race. And I think that is a, uh, you know, that, that calls so if if you have an, a Republican controlled house and a Republican controlled governor, 
you know, legislation will have an easier path forward, but will that side agree with it? Um, if it's controlled, if, if you have, if they have to find compromise with a, a Democrat in, in the executive branch and a Republican controlled state house, how do you get, uh, you know, all of a sudden there has to be compromises made Uh long process ahead for this multiplier. If you're asking me to guess maybe a couple years before this gets a dra- fully passed. Who knows though? I know there's energy behind it after that Wednesday hearing. That'll do it for the war room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody stay safe. God bless, and fall sports are 